Hey guys. Um this time it's it's just me. And another episode of the Area Anime Now Anime Guru podcast. And um there is actually an episode with me and Andrew. We recorded it. Um it's sitting on my um desktop as we speak, staring at me wanting to be edited and it's 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 okay it's it's pretty all right um there's some pretty great i think podcast content in there and um yeah but uh i mean uh i felt as though i should probably go ahead and just do this on my own and um the reason why is cuz hey AG just turned 5 as of yesterday. Yes, that is December 10th in 2007. I released the first ever episode of the Anime Guru... No, not Anime. It was Area Guru Podcast. Right, that was what it was called back in the day. And, um, you know... I did that show solo back then, and I figured, you know, for a little birthday special, I should probably do it solo again. And I guess this sort of content and extemporaneous, well, maybe not extemporaneous, but spontaneous desire to podcast is uh, something that should be left to daily anime podcasts. That's why I created that show, was... If I so ever felt the random urge to just put on a headset, sit in front of a computer, and talk, that that is the show for that. That is essentially the purpose for that show existing. It's just that. Um, And I I think I may actually get to doing that daily um, next semester, because um, next semester is going to look so much easier on me. So, yeah. But, uh, man, I think maybe maybe it's appropriate to just devote whatever time I spend to this episode to just talking about what's been going on in my anime and in real life. Because I think there's some pretty interesting anime-related stuff, because, you know, as the otaku who lives the otaku dream um i've been a moron a complete moron um basically most of my papers that i've written for um my writing about film class have essentially just been either about mamoroshi or pat labor too and <laughs> like a moron I, th- I thought yeah i'm just gonna do that because i'm a badass motherfucker i can do whatever i want and that's essentially just been kind of my life for <laughs> like a good a good chunk of this semester and now I, I can't I am sick of Oshi. I am sick of Pat Labor Two. I've seen it three times this semester. That movie is two hours long. That is six hours of my life that I have just dropped watching Pat Labor Two. Just for the purpose of writing some, you know what? You know I'm not gonna say they're bad papers because I think they actually came out all right. The last one I could probably legitimately say was 
a bad paper because I just hit a wall. I just hit a wall. Like, like I had a moment of inspiration a couple days ago, but like because I hit the wall, there's always just a moment where you just hit a wall. And every semester I've had, even when I've only had like 12 hours a semester, there's a moment where I just hit the wall and nothing matters anymore. I can drag my head around on the floor and um, nothing will change. And it was really, I think it was a pretty good moment of brilliance of where I realized, holy shit, that's what the movie's about. Because, um, you know, I've been reading quite a bit of stuff this semester, um, different interpretations, like, uh, I think that's his name, Bolton's uh, discussion of the phenomenology within Pi Labor 2, and then there is this awesome Anderson article I read talking about theatricality and the nature of how war becomes some sort of spectacle that we just place upon the television screen, etc., etc. And uh, I guess just uh, recently I read another pretty cool, sh much shorter article by this guy named Fish. Uh, that's what the C in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> that's... Um, that specifically discusses uh, the politics of the film and that was a really cool one and I think probably the most specific to what I think Oshi was trying to talk about was that article was specifically about like how um, there is sort of a pull between um, Japan taking on more imperial responsibilities and also Japan maintaining its promise, um, guess post-war idyllic promises, uh, to not have an army, to not touch nuclear weapons, etc., etc. And um, I guess my last paper was more along something the lines of that, because I was just sitting in my Japanese literature class, which is a pretty awesome class, and um, the professor was talking about uh, the March 11th disaster, the earthquake, and he started talking about it in relation to um, anti-nuclear protests. And there were some, I guess, yeah, there were some really interesting things that um, Kinsborough Oe and Murakami have been, other authors like that have been saying. It's just like, their basic argument is um, even like the presence of having nuclear power is a betrayal to the memory of the people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and you must remember that um, like the word for like nuclear weapon and the word for like nuclear powered energy is not too different I don't have my notes in front of me but the words in the kanji are not like radically different and there is a lot of ambiguous grounds between I guess the application of nuclear, the, the atom for power, and then the application, or the capability of, um, I guess, nuclear weapons for, I mean, not nuclear weapons, but nuclear um, energy for the creation of nuclear weapons. Like, I don't know the science. I'm not going to pretend to know what all the science is. I haven't really done, I mean, I've read stuff on it. Most of the literature that I read talking specifically about nuclear energy is not so much, oh, we can use it to make nuclear weapons, but it's much more along the lines of, oh my god, we cannot trust nuclear corporations, they're fucking evil. 
and they tell you it's safe, but um, no. <laughs> Most of the times, they're not really that safe. But um, and there's a lot of evidence suggesting that it's not. But that that's that's a whole other topic. But like OA in particular, well, I guess both OA and Mirakami talk about that. But I mean, like um, OA says in some earlier essays that um. There are these sorts of ambiguities that arose from Japan's embrace of modernity that, I mean, ultimately drove it towards empire in isolation. But, I mean, I'd say that naturally embracing um, westernization and the desire to be seen as a legitimate civilization in the eyes of the empires of North America and Europe essentially implied that Japan, if it wanted respect, that it must go invade people and and do evil stuff and the people who were advocating that japan embrace um civilization as they called it civilization as in um modernity um they were like fukuzawa yukichi like them those guys when they were saying that japan should say goodbye to asia it's not coincidental that they were also like fuck yeah we beat the chinese we're gonna steal their land fuck them yeah that's I don't think like there's any coincidence between embracing modernity and also at the same time embracing nationalism and embracing empire. There's there's no coincidence at all. Like liberalism, nationalism, all of that. Well, I mean, I guess liberalism like implies a sort of national identity because the whole premise, I guess, in the way that Fukuzawa approached it was that like, oh, they settle disputes by talking? Well, then that must mean that they share a common identity, a national identity. And, I mean, I, there are ways where you can re-articulate identity outside of nationalism to, to not be conflictual. And there are um, cultures, even in Japan, that have a history of um, not being actually violence. Like, I guess... Most specifically, the ones that I can think of off the top of my head is the Ainu. Like their whole thing was, if if you can, if you can argue for like days on end to settle your disputes, you're a badass. They're, this is kind of hilarious. They have a whole like tradition of just arguing. But um, I mean like that's that's its own thing. But I mean like, ah, I got off topic. But yeah, um, oh and and says that, yeah, there is a certain madness that captured Japan in the time of, like, Imperial Conquest that they haven't really outgrown. Because, you know, even though, like, they've signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty and, and they've said all these really nice things and they have Article 9, you can clearly see that things have been revised, I guess you could say, um to essentially increase the strength of the self-defense force, quote-unquote self-defense force, and um, that, yeah, secret accords with the United States, they've, they've signed, like, secret, like, documents, well, not, maybe not, like, secret, yeah, secret documents, they made secret agreements with the United States to be able to test nuclear weapons on Japanese soil, like, these are completely real things, and these are in violation of many of the spirit of the legislature that was passed in the post-war era and like still exist because 
there is this sort of still an almost imperial desire and Japan's involvement in Cambodia is in part due to its I guess there's almost this conservative desire to want to live up to its imperial expectations and um like that's that's essentially a lot of the direction in my paper and there's some pretty good stuff about like how Arakawa um uh, some sorry, some some of the characters in Pat Labor too uh, literally mirror Japanese politicians except that they don't like the United except that these characters in Pat Labor 2 seem to like the United States a lot less than these politicians did in real life but um yeah there are still politicians to this day who are like yeah Japan should go nuclear and you know I mean you know Japan from what I understand is capable of producing a nuclear weapon I mean I don't really have any science to back it up but I've been told that by some people I trust so I mean like I guess someone out there can probably go and and you can show me good science then I'd, I'd probably believe them the contrary but I mean I haven't really looked into it so it's an assumption I'm going to make but that the, the, I guess once again that's an assumption that was my paper it's kinda sloppy thesis wasn't really really, really written out well kinda what I get for writing it at the last minute but I know that even if I didn't choose it at the last minute that at this point like because I hit that wall like two weeks ago and I've had this assignment for longer than that but I, I hit the wall but there was no way that I could rebound from hitting that wall and I know I'm just making up excuses etc etc I'm, I'm just trying to run away from my problems but there's nothing I can do now. I've turned it in. Um, I'm probably gonna get a B. And that's okay. I got a B. That's that's the problem here. It's, it's I'm not failing any of my classes. I've gotten a B before. It'll be the first writing class where I've gotten a B. Magically, I've been able to make A's in all my writing classes, even though I've been honestly, honest to God, struggling in all of them. But that's its own thing. Yeah. And, oh man, I am, I am totally beat by this semester. It's rough. It's rough. I know I'm not an engineering major, so all you engineering people can keep snickering at me all you like. But, um, you know, 17 hours is, it's pretty rough. I don't care how you look at it, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. And um, I am not the most competent or responsible kind of person who can handle that sort of uh, struggle. I thought magically that if I did, I would somehow get my act together. Nope. Nope. I have to find... I have to just force myself to be responsible. And I thought maybe under this pressure I could force myself to figure out how to schedule shit. Nope. Nope. That's not going to work at all. Nope. But, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I guess. In other news. Other news. I guess. Hmm. Ah, man. Japanese class. I will be taking that again. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, mean, I guess the other thing I kind of want to talk about is probably my 
Japanese literature class. Now I thought I'd like that a lot more than I would because it's all about literature around the time that Japan embraced modernity and and I thought, oh my god, that's got to be so cool. And admittedly, the stuff that we read throughout the year was was pretty cool. Although, like, the first guy we read was literally, literally, probably, I guess you could say, fucking, fucking racist. Well, maybe not a fucking racist, but he was about there. <laughs> he was about there, and he literally wrote the essay that said, Goodbye, Asia. And Spukuzawa. Then we read, um, like, Soseki's Kokoro. That was making me cry. And, uh, read some other stuff. Some interesting stuff. Um, some later stuff we read was, like, Tanizaki. I never really actually read that. I just kind of skipped that assignment. And then Yukio Mishima. He's the, um, he's the man who in the 70s, um, essentially tried to do a coup and um killed himself and you know i mean i guess there was i think there was a point where i wanted to draw a comparison between mishima and uh suge and arakawa within pat labor 2 although like admittedly the sort of nationalism i feel as though that 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 movie and those characters touch upon is fairly different from like the ultra nationalism of mishima mishima is straight up pretty close to fascism <laughs> i mean maybe i, I mean I, I guess he's he's pretty close if he's if you don't consider him a fascist he's somewhere along those lines and i think he says some pretty interesting things regarding the nature of perpetual peace because you know after a while the idea that we can reach that state is um it's 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 probably not attainable for whatever reason and um maybe like maybe this is just like crazy crazy man who's just been talking to crazy potential future nazis in the debate community um maybe our attempts to create this sort of perfect world where there's peace and harmony and all that shit will only will only make things worse. Um, and th th maybe, I don't know, I can't really think of any particular stories where it did, but I'm sure if I actually sat around and read a little bit and thought a little bit harder, that I probably could. But, um, I know Mishima's whole thing was just like, hey, you know Japanese culture? There is, they often try to water it down and, and make us seem like we're peaceful hippies who love peace, but there is an inherent violence in this very nature of the Japanese people. And I was like, okay, okay, Mishiman. He read his story, Patriotism. And that was, that's just like where he glorifies um, uh, Harakiri. And it was, it's pretty, it's pretty clear and concise and uh I mean I guess you could say the style is pretty western which is ironic given how ultra nationalist he is whatever I mean I enjoyed that story a lot I feel like I kinda feel like I wanna wanna write my own version of that making fun of it 
Because, I mean, like, honestly, there was a point when I was reading this and I thought to myself, is this a parody? This this guy can't be taking this seriously. This is this has got to be jokes. But no, 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 it was, from what I understood, 100% serious about, like, everything. And it was totally super hot because there was tons of sex and it. it was great. Ah, and, like, another great thing we read in that class was ah uh, man I forget the guy who wrote it it might have been another OA paper uh, let me look um, I don't why am I not remembering it was such a good story but um it was a story about like a black soldier who just um, who essentially is an American soldier who just crashes into like a small uh i guess yeah small 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 like rural town a village in japan and then like these boys are just like holy shit a black guy <laughs> and they were like we've never seen one of those before what are that <laughs> and it's like a mythical black man i've never seen one before and then the, oh yeah yeah it is an oa story it's called prize stock and um it's hilarious because it's just like then we showered with the black man i mean i showered we took a bath with the black man after we realized that the reason he smelled was because we we haven't been letting him have we haven't been letting him bathe and he hasn't bathed in a while and they took him took him out to the spring and they were like black man you got a magnificent and beautiful penis <laughs> Oh man, and the day that I, the day that we read that was fantastic because like, we had just been talking about like bitches and hoes, and like, my professor was straight up just like, now what do you think about the distinction between bitches and hoes, and women and sisters? It's like, what? Man, is, is today just, is today the day that I decide to stay in college? <laughs> yes. Yes it was. That was a good day. Oh my god. Oh my god, that was such a good day. But yeah. But that story was really cool. Sorry, the prize talk. Um, it was like... Something that's really weird. And I think... I don't know if Andrew and I have really talked about this on the show. But we've talked about it in just talking. And um, a lot of black intellectuals... like. Uh, Malcolm X, and uh, for some reason I can't think of any other name. I know that there were some other people who were just like, yeah, fuck yeah, Japan's pretty cool. They don't like racism, right? And uh, the reality is that, like, nah, they're, they're kind of pretty racist. I mean, if we're going to be real, I mean, like, as an Asian, I would not be offended by anybody who said that Asians were pretty racist. And, like, specifically there is some literature on the topic of the Japanese and the encounter with the black body. And, like, for them, like, I guess you could say any American or any foreigner represents some sort of alterity, but the black body is, in a sense, like, the ultimate form of alterity. And, um, I mean, I guess... The whole concept of the white body is 
pretty different, but it's like, holy shit, whoa, never seen one of those before, and there's this, I guess, there's some sort of awe and reference, but at the same time, like, within the story, OA never, like, attempts to have the narrator or anybody in the story ascribe any sort of humanity to the soldier and you know I know OA is familiar with existential literature I read his other stuff Japan the ambiguous and my other self uh, Japan the ambiguous and myself um, definitely has like this sort of underlying theme of like humanity and being able to identify with the other and like this I know that I'm pretty confident he's probably read Fanon and he's probably read a lot of these other authors like W.B. Dubois or at least he's familiar with uh, what some of these people have said because like this whole idea of like it's like the wretched of the earth and all that stuff just seems to be implicit like like if he suddenly just ascribed the black soldier humanity would that really would that really like i felt i feel as though that would almost mask um like the implicit racism of the japanese empire and like you shouldn't try to sidestep that i felt as though i mean like i don't really think that this is a good defense of the story but i mean i felt as though it was trying to make present um the ri implicit racism within the construction of Japanese identity, because, well, not even just Japanese identity, well, I mean, yeah, I guess Japanese identity, and, and it's trying to literally make, like, an encounter with the black body, um, something mystifying, as a point of pointing out, like, hey, you know, you're kind of racist. I mean, that's what I like to believe this story is about... I haven't really read enough Anon to really to really be able to apply any ideas, but I am pretty confident that OA is smart enough that he's not just performing racism or whatever. Um, I mean, I guess you could say it's almost like a performance of racism, but um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, some people said Huckleberry Finn was kinda racist and I know that OA definitely read Huckleberry Finn uh, but whatever whatever I I've kind of exhausted all my thoughts on that magnificent story that I also wrote a paper about ah uh, yeah uh, this semester I also had a chance to watch um, some good Japanese live actions um, there is like some Japan Film Foundation I think that's what they're called yeah the Japan Film Foundation got some like 16 millimeter prints of um, some Japanese contemporary Japanese movies that came out from like the independent scene that were really awesome like the first one I think it was called dog in a sidecar it was like I guess you could basically say it was like a chick flick it's basically a chick flick <laughs> uh, it was like about this little girl who um, starts hanging out with her father's mistress after her mom just leaves and it's a great scene where, she, where they say the title of the movie, and and the lady is, is her father's mistress is like, "Hey, 
if you had to be a slave or a slave owner, which one would you choose? And the girl's like, I don't know. I'd want to be a dog in a sidecar. <laughs> right? Just something silly in response to this Nichean question. Um, Nichean? Nichean? Nietzsche? This, I guess, uh, this question of, um, this dumb, well, I don't know if it's a dumb question, but this, this, this strange adult question to ask. And she responds in this hilarious, innocent way. And then, like, the next story, the movie we watched was about, like, this family that supposedly never kept sec never kept secrets, but they totally do keep secrets, and they're, like, perfect, but then it kind of goes into a whole backstory. I think that was called the Hanging Gardens or something, yeah. And that got, shit got surreal in that movie, when they just magically have, like, random dream sequences, etc., etc. Maybe not surreal, but, uh, definitely had some elements of that in there. The movie was good. Then we got saw another movie. The last movie we watched was Matsugane Potshot Affair. And yeah, that was that was another crazy movie by a contemporary director. I think he got arrested shortly like after it got made and really but he got released or something, but ah man, I don't know how to describe that plot. That movie was awesome. Um something about a head and there's like a cop and then there's like this whole thing with it's I don't know how to describe the plot of that movie. It's great. And there's this other movie that kinda had that like I guess you could say that Bacano like thing where they wanted to tell like the same thing that was happening over like the same period of time from different perspectives and it was about like I guess like a robbery, a yakuza, and like there's a yakuza, and that movie was also cool. I completely forgot what that was called, but man, that that Japan Film Foundation was fantastic, and I enjoyed every movie that they showed, and I feel like I should have podcasted on them more, because that was really cool, and especially that got to see movies in 16 millimeter print. I've never, I've never, like, I think I may have seen it like once before, but that is not an experience that I'm used to. I'm especially in digital age. Digital age, fuckers, get used to it. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I just wanted to say that. But uh, especially now, man. Uh, when everything's digital, this is not to say digital's bad, but you know, it's it's nice to hear the, like, the clicking of the machine every now and then. And that was a really fun experience. Although the last screening was basically empty. There was basically just like me and one of my classmates and my professor. And that was cool. Kind of. Not really. But I mean, I guess that's the reason why the Japan Film Foundation doesn't do it every year because it got empty. <laughs> it was just a ghost. And like, I understand it's November, but I mean, it's November. You don't have anything better to do. Could have gone out and seen that movie. It was great. Yeah. Anyways, I think I've exhausted all the things talking about my life.
And, you know, like, for anybody listening to this, and for anybody who's who's been keeping up with AG for these past five years, thank you. I mean, like, we never really talk. And only, like, one or two of you gave me feedback. But, like, I know you guys are out there. And, like, I'll watch these numbers. I think every podcaster watches these numbers of click-throughs and what nations these are coming from. And, like, I'm I'm not at the point where I'm just going to beg for feedback anymore. Because if you're going to feed... If you're going to contact us, you know how to contact us on the Twitters and the emails and, and the websites. But, I mean, like, you know, thanks. Like, we don't really have, like, a big listener base. And, like, it's amazing that we've made it this far. Um, but man, like, even if, like, there was nobody listening, I, I'm really happy that Guru's been a part of my life, and he's seen through so many facets, and admittedly for, like, two or three of the years, content, like, content produced may have been, like, one episode a year. I think in like 2010, there was literally only one episode in like August or something, and there was like a whole thing where I wanted to like change it to a hiking podcast, and <laughs> it's like crazy, stupid things that only a dumb, dumb teenager like me could think of. But man, looking back now, I'm really happy that I did this, and. You know, I feel like there's a lot of things I put out that's, like, really embarrassing, potentially career-threatening, because, you know, just swearing and, and saying things, saying things like nigga and fag are, are probably not things that you want your employers to see you do, but, I mean, at this point, at this point, I'm in too good a mood. To care, and that's that's probably bad, and it's 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 short-sighted, I know, but I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I feel like I've actually done something, and I feel like I've actually made something, and I'm happy. At the end of the day, I'm happy. A lot of anime fans don't really don't really make a lot of things. We don't really produce a lot of things. We we mostly like to consume, and admittedly, I like consuming. I'm I'm a big guy. I'm a pretty lazy guy. I'm a pretty passive guy. But um, AG's meant quite a bit, and um, I hope it lasts out a couple years more. Year five, I think we can keep on going till I die of the diabetes in the next few years. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. Goodbye.
Sam.